So it's one o'clock. We'll call the meeting to order. Go have a, a roll call, please. A present. Rebecca? Present. Here. 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 All right, and now we'll have the approval of the minutes. I move uh, that we approve the minutes. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Next item is the director's report. Good afternoon, commissioners. It's going to be brief. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about <clears throat> upcoming plans for this summer. Um, so today we have the development code amendments uh, returning. And um, the next hearing is on May 22nd. We don't have any items. I anticipate that that will be uh, canceled. Um, on June 12th, we have a short-term rental workshop. Just a little bit of background about that. Um, the county has embarked on an effort to update our short-term rental ordinance. And uh, we have um, done some public outreach related to that, including meetings with various community groups, uh, survey, and um, some background research as well. Uh, so what we're intending to do before we actually begin writing the ordinance is to bring it to your commission uh, to brief you on what we've learned so far, uh, give the opportunity to members who are interested to speak to the item, and then we'll take away those comments and uh, start working on a, on a new draft. Um, and uh, um, it's probably not going to be till close to the end of the year that we actually see a uh, a draft related to short-term rentals. Um, so it's really more of an opportunity for the public to speak and for your commission to, to weigh in. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, the next item, next hearing would be on June 26th, and as of yet, we have no item schedule. So that's that's all we've got for now. Thank you. Um, next item is open time for public expression. There is no public present that I can see. So I guess we have Nothing on that. Okay, moving forward to the development code amendments, and Commissioner Dickinson has a statement he would like to make. Uh, I just wanted to indicate for the record that while I was involved in hospital stays and rehab during the um, March 10th workshop and the April hearing, um, I did watch the meeting live, and I did read the staff report, so I feel that I am in a position where I um, can participate in the vote um, on on this this item. All right. So noted. Thank you. So the next is the staff report. So um, I'll turn it over to Michelle Levinson and Brandon Halter. Um, there were some questions that were raised uh, during the last hearing, uh, requests that we do some additional research and change the amendments that were proposed, which we have done. Uh, now, this is part of a larger set of amendments. We're only bringing back to you today uh, the small set of amendments related to ADUs that we were uh, continuing to work on. But of course, the decision today is about all of the amendments um, that you have, of course, reviewed in past uh, hearings. So with that, I will turn it over to Michelle Levinson. Good afternoon, commissioners. At your April 10th hearing, um, 
several commissioner re requested additional information regarding the proposed amendments to the county's ADU provisions contained in the Marin County Development Code. Staff understood that the commission requested additional clarity regarding the following, the number and types of ADUs allowed on a single family zoned lot, whether JDUs were allowed in outbuildings, and report back on how other jurisdictions are implementing the state ADU provisions. Before I turn things over to Brandon Halter with County Council's office, I wanted to point out some modifications to the proposed amendments that were presented at your at the last hearing that these um, at these develop at where the development codes were presented to you the amendments um, as indicated in the supplemental memo staff met with HCD on April 20th HCD staff provided further clarity regarding the number and types of ADUs allowed on single-family zoned lots um, a total of two ADUs that meet the county's category one ADU requirements are allowed specifically that one of the ADUs must be attached to the single family residence or located in an existing outbuilding. The second ADU um, at a minimum must be a new construction detached unit that meets the county's category one requirements. Um, at your hearing on April 10th, um, a couple commissioners um, expressed that um, they didn't wanna restrict that second unit to new construction only which would allow for the conversion of a second detached um, structure to an ADU, while some other commissioners wish to restrict the second unit to a new construction outbuilding. So um, we've provided two versions of potential amendment language um, to reflect those two options. Um, about the JDUs, <laughs> HCD staff clarified while that there appeared to be some contradictory language in the new ADU um, state language, and the JDU definition, um, HCD staff clarified JDUs are allowed within the walls of a proposed or existing single family residence only. So we've amended the development code um, to reflect that. So um, with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Brandon Halter with County Council's office. He can provide you with um, some more information that you requested at your April 10th meeting. Thanks, Michelle. So Brandon Halter, Deputy County Counsel. Um, as you all will recall or reviewed, uh, at our last meeting on this topic, your commission requested that I go back and do some additional research, make some additional remarks at this hearing um, on what I understood to be three basic uh, topics. One, uh, looking at the requirements of 65852.2 as they relate to our new development code amendments. Um, looking at the proposed development code amendments, ensuring that they uh, reflect the latest guidance and statutory requirements on ADUs, um, and then also looking into how other jurisdictions have addressed this, this question. Um, there were obviously some, uh, some remarks made in open comment and then also some correspondence received by your commission uh, identifying other jurisdictions that may have used different approaches, and then also looking at some other jurisdictions, there are a number of them to look at, uh, in terms of getting a sense of how these uh, new um, statutory requirements and guidance from HCD have been interpreted elsewhere, um, and what, if any, consequences there have been for the differences in interpretation. Um, <clears throat> I think it's useful when we're talking about 
the development code amendments specifically to get a little bit of context. So just I wanted to start out at the very highest level of talking about some background, um, at least in terms of very recent history of why we're here. Going then into how the ADU development amendments, sorry, the development code amendments related to ADUs that we're talking about here today fit into that story, and then looking at the other jurisdictions, um, because that, that earlier part of the background kind of informs uh, the analysis of what other jurisdictions are doing, I think. So in terms of uh, background, this, this part of the Marin County Code relating to ADUs was first added through an ordinance in 2017. It was amended in 2019 and 2021 in response to changes in state law. Um, then there have been sort of, I would categorize them very broadly to be three different events that led to us being here today and in the discussions we've had with your commission. Number one, there were two new state laws that passed effective January 1st, 2023 um, that impacted uh, what we can and cannot do with respect to ADU uh, restrictions. Those are uh, AB 2221 and SB 897. They impose relaxed height restrictions, relaxed front setback requirements, and a relaxed separate bathroom requirement for JDUs, um, just to summarize broadly. Um, the second event that I would identify is the update to the HCD handbook on ADUs, and that was published back in July 2022. That didn't uh, always reflect uh, an interpretation of the law that was driven by any changes in the law. It just seems to be a change in the interpretation of the law as uh, HCD sees it. So I think that's kind of an important distinction. Um, and then finally, staff's discussions directly with HCD, either through a letter or through um, discussions, as Michelle noted, uh, just getting feedback directly from HCD in terms of how they see some of the details of what we're proposing here today. So. Um, that brings us up to what are we talking about in terms of the development code amendments. Um, in broad strokes, staff is proposing revisions to that category one uh, ADU, that's that state exemption ADU, the portion of our code that deals with the state exemption ADU. Um, changes to the maximum height requirement, 16 to 18 feet, and then higher than that in certain circumstances. And then also changes in HCD's interpretation of that state exemption ADU, meaning uh, its interpretation that any of the following means all of the following. Um, I think you will recall we discussed that last time. Uh, collapsing the category, what formerly categories two and three into a new category two, there's some stylistic changes, some improvements um, in terminology, and then revisions to the JDU section to address the relaxation of that separate bathroom requirement. Uh, you'll see that in the revisions. Um, in terms of the, oh, and I should note, if anyone has any questions, I'm happy to make this into a conversation and not just a speech, so please feel free. Um, in terms of other jurisdictions, I, I guess I would, after looking through this, I would broadly categorize the approaches into sort of two different buckets, for lack of a better word. There are jurisdictions that were identified in correspondence to your commission. Um, the examples that I have here are City of Larkspur, Town of Corte Madera, and City of Los Angeles that I think there are other examples out there like this, but the, similar, the similarity between these jurisdictions is that they haven't updated their code very recently, meaning these are, co these are codes that, broadly speaking, were passed back in 2019, 2020, when ADU law looked a certain way at the state level. They haven't been updated since then, and these jurisdictions, as far as I can tell, haven't faced any broadly publicized uh, consequences for not having updated yet. 
Um, I haven't seen any nasty letters from HCD. I haven't seen any lawsuits. I haven't looked through all the dockets statewide, so there could be a lawsuit sitting in some superior court somewhere. But in terms of widely publicized lawsuits or enforcement actions, I haven't seen anyone uh, or any, any adverse legal consequences to these jurisdictions. Now, these jurisdictions, when I'm, when I'm talking about sort of older versions of the code, they're doing things like restricting ADU development in, in fire hazard severity zones. They're doing things like only allowing one of the categories of ADU allowable under the state exemption ADU section, and that's, that's, that's subsection E, rather than both at the same time, that sort of thing. Um, and as far as I can tell, that remains the status of their code, and I genuinely don't know if they have plans to change it at the moment, but that, that's sort of one category of jurisdiction that's out there right now. Um, I think a second category is uh, jurisdictions that either have had contact with HCD and made changes or have had recent contact with HCD and we will be monitoring to see if they uh, do make changes, um, that sort of thing. One example uh, that I wanted to note, right, I have three different examples I wanted to talk about. One was Rancho Palos Verdes, that's a city down in Southern California. Um, they had a restriction in their code that said uh, they, or they restricted ADU development in very high, high, very high fire hazard severity zones. They received a letter from HCD in August 22 stating that that was not in compliance with state law because of the state exemption ADU in the, in the code. Um, two months later in October 22, they revised their code to say that state exemption uh, ADUs are not subject to development, the development code standards that would otherwise apply. So basically they backed off, amended according to HCD's demand. Second example I would give is City of Westminster. They received a letter from HCD in March 23, two months ago, um, stating that their ordinance was not in compliance because they had uh, sort of, I would call it the old version of a view of that state exemption ADU in terms of um, exclusivity. So in their code, they said you could either go um, under subpart A or subpart B, but you can't under go under both. HCD wrote them a letter two months ago saying you can't do that. It remains to be seen what they're going to do. It's only been two months. Um, the third example I wanted to identify, uh, actually th the information that we have on this is the town of Portola Valley down in the South Bay. Um, Michelle had a helpful conversation with HCD to get some, help, uh, some additional color on this, but they have a provision in their code where they restrict ADU development in very high fire hazard severity zones. Um, the question for us was how has that uh, been received by HCD? So we understand that HCD has had a lot of communications with Portola Valley. Um, there's some uh, agenda descriptions on their public meetings that reflect the fact that HCD sent them a letter saying that they were out of compliance with state law. I haven't seen a copy of that letter. It's not available online, but I can get a copy if necessary. Um, either way, what we understand is that through communications directly with HCD, HCD determined that they would meet the spirit of uh, the state statute uh, because of two factors. Number one, they uh, restrict not just ADU development, but also any other kind of new residential development in these zones. So they're not just targeting ADU development, they're targeting all residential, new residential development. Um, and then number two, they had supported that decision to impose that restriction with significant expert analysis on why these zones in particular were so sensitive to new development. So they had a lot of robust scientific evidence to support those findings. 
So it's, that's the difference between Palos Verdes and there? The one in Southern California where they were deemed out of compliance because it was a high fire, they, they were restricting development in a high fire zone. Right, and I, I, we haven't spoken with directly with Palos Verdes. That is certainly a reasonable interpretation of what happened. Right, exactly. Um, I don't know that Palos Verdes considered this a possibility. They may have just looked right, at it and yeah. said, you know, we can't. Um, because I don't, I don't, I still don't know how exactly that totally fits within the letter of the code as written. But nevertheless, that's what we've understood to have happened from HCD directly. So um, those are the jurisdictions I looked at. I'm happy to address any questions, um, but that I think is sort of broad stroke what's going on. Okay, yeah, quick commissioner's questions, go ahead. Um, thank you, uh, thank you for, for that, um, Brandon, that's really helpful. Um, well, a couple things. I, uh, uh, I'm sure it's, and having, having read again the law, uh, applicable law, it's, it, it is, um, it does seem to say, you know, contradict itself in places. But, um, but on, the, on, the, on the JDU question about um, that it can only, the conclusion from the discussion with HCD that it can only be allowed in the single family dwelling seems contradicted by the language in it. Um, it, it, uh, it says, um, accessory um, in a paragraph that talks about detached new construction, the accessory dwelling unit may be combined with a junior accessory dwelling unit um, described in subparagraph A. So it seems to say you can do a new outbuilding that's got a J-do with an A-do. But so I just want you to uh, comfort me that, you, that, that yes, but nevertheless, that's what they say or what. <laughs> that, that's an easy one, I think. I, I that out. I did point that out. And they just referred back to um, that Roman numeral four, that ultimately the JDU has to be consistent with that definition for JDUs under 65852.22. And that's where it's really clear that a JDU, by its very definition, is located within the walls of a single family dwelling. But isn't there an exception for the 150 feet for access? You're saying to add 150 feet of right. access for a JDU. Um, I pointed that out to them too, and they said that under this little e a i, that because the term or the word or is used, all of um, these kind of items that are listed out in i are not applicable. The J do. It's it, it really is hard to parse this. It language. really is. <laughs> um, in, in in terms of the um, feedback that you got from or looking at the uh, statewide profile on like uh, uh, restrictions for fire prone areas, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I understand. In your first example. Um, did the state say it's not permissible because they thought that the restriction was overly broad, or are they just dismissing wholesale the notion that there can be uh, any carve-outs for more fire-prone areas? I would say it's a little bit of both. I think what they were focused on is 
the difference between what I've been calling a state exemption ADU, meaning the ADU that is called for under E1. They have this magic term for it called state, state exemption ADU. For those, they are a very special creature. They, you are not allowed, according to HCD, to restrict the development of these ADUs, provided they meet the requirements of this section within the high fire hazard severity zones or whatever else, I mean, based on public safety risk. Um, but the, the ADUs that are allowable under other sections of this code, meaning A through D, yes, you may impose those kinds of restrictions on them. That you don't have sewer access? No, you can't have ADU development. Such as what we've already got with the 20 feet. And That's right. Um, I, I have a question, too, on um, I, if I were a resident um, and, and reading not the state law but the proposed code that, um, that, that we've got, um, I, I, think I'd, I think I'd be a little puzzled about um, falling into Category 3, which is really just defined as something that does not fall into Category 1 or 2. But uh, what distinguishing feature, if I, if I were a resident reading this, how would, how would I know what category I fell into? Because it, do, it doesn't, it's not kind of structured that way that says, under this, like, Category 3, you, it's this kind of property or this kind of situation. It just says you're not one of the some, something else. Um, and I'm just not sure... I'm, I mean, I'm unclear reading it uh, exactly how it would apply. I realize the main distinction of Category 3, as I understand it, is that it allows discretionary review as opposed to um, just, uh, you know, the other kind of lesser category of permit or ministerial. Um, but maybe you can help me out. Yeah, so uh, the underlying issue here is that what state law says is you can't have more restrictions on ADUs that are allowed in... Uh, state law, but you can be less restrictive if you choose, right? They're trying to promote more ADUs, right? So that's that's a thing. So it is difficult to take the complicated and poorly written language in state law and translate it into something which is more understandable. Uh, we've done our best. Um, and it ends kind of a process of elimination for an applicant and for the staff and the decision makers. Um, to look at, does this fall into a Category 1 ADU? Does it fall into a Category eight, 2 ADU? Uh, and, you know, if someone can't design to one of those, which are clearly preferable, then is it going to fall into a Category 3 ADU? So it's that process of elimination that people would use to, um, you know, come up with which category they would be under. What, what would be something that might be typical for a Category 3? What might be the profile of a Category 3. It's larger, right? Mm -hmm. Size. Is it, there's a statement yeah, it's larger or size, over height. Size? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's over the minimum size for Category right. 2, yeah. potentially. Is that, is that the kind of the, the, the main thing? Right. Or it could be thing. height. I mean, height. that would be allowable. Right. It would be things that would fall into the variance category in the normal uh, discretionary review process. N uh, but just to, to clarify... They would still fall into the variance category. Oh, they would. Okay. Yes, because they are subject to discretionary review. So basically, what this means is, the development, leave aside the use, the development still needs to go through whatever discretionary review is required, be that a variance or design review, what have you. It still needs to go through that discretionary review, and we can require that because we're not required to allow 
uh, category three at all, right? But if the if it if it falls into one of the others, then it's a ministerial ADU permit or just a building permit. So, so it's kind of a it's a bit of a catch-all um, other category. A catch-all other, yeah. In other words, like our normal zoning, you can still have an ADU, but you have to meet all the normal zoning requirements. So, could I just clarify? So, it essentially gives you an additional unit without having to conform to density, but it provides relaxation for development standards through a variance process, design review, or any other aspects of discretionary review. That's a good way to sum it up. Yeah. And it would include access, right? If you couldn't comply with a twenty-foot right away someone would have that option of coming in and applying for category three yeah that's right i think that they would need i think they would need uh sign off from the fire department but yeah and we are proposing to allow category three in single-family zoned properties as well as multifamily zoned properties correct just in single family just in single family not in multifamily okay right. Other questions, commissioners? Yes. <clears throat> Thank you. I have a couple questions. So um, one general question, what's the parking requirements for ADUs outside of the half-mile radius from major transit? Depends on the number of bedrooms. It's one or two spaces. Okay. Um, Could I just make a comment there? Because I believe there's a new state law that doesn't allow any park parking requirement for any residential use. That's something we need to know about. I, th I believe that's true. Uh, I'm not aware of a state law which is in effect right now. It, it is in effect. Parking. I believe it is in effect. Uh, I don't believe so. I, mean, I, I, I thought that was proposed legislation. But. I, I have used it in project review in the city of Oakland already, so I believe it is in effect. Well, there there was one which, had, which was for more urban areas, and it re relates to... Um, Higher density, not single family. I, I well, it's something we need to know about. I don't know for for, I don't know about it relating to higher density or more urban areas. Certainly, Oakland would qualify as such. But um, I believe that the way it has been, the way I was trained on it, is that it applies to all residential development and commercial development. So it's a significant change. And we, we do need to know about it. Is it SB 2011? I don't know the name. I, can't re I don't recall that. I don't yeah, so, I mean, we, we, are, we are aware of legislation, which, was, which is in effect, which um, does reduce the parking requirements. But it does not affect single-family residential, which is what this is really about for the most part. I mean, there is this proviso for multifamily, but in general, it's really for single-family. So perhaps it applies only to multifamily. That that's mean, our understanding. That for, be, if that's the one you're talking about, that that's could just be the case. I don't know. I'm just yeah. but, but doesn't something we need to understand? But doesn't this? But this language, unless I'm, uh, it's so hard to it's so hard to track categories the way the way the whole thing's formatted. But the local agency shall not impose any parking standards for an accessory dwelling unit in any of the following instances where an accessory dwelling unit is located within one half mile walking distance of public transit, etc. So that does. Apply? Yeah, I understood the question. To outside. outside of that, yeah. Right. That was my question. Yeah. With, with uh, no proximity to transit. Correct. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us how does this ADU law and this new understanding that we can have two uh, affect SB9 projects or does it not? 
yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I think that they both operate independently, uh, and um, I don't think that it. I don't think that it affects SB9 projects per se, but you have to keep in mind that there's two different kinds of SB9 projects. One is the SB9 project where it's a subdivision, and the other is SB9 project where there's development. So um, I think probably if you're doing a subdivision and uh, you subdivide it under SB9, but then you don't, you're not trying to develop under SB9, in that case, you're developing under the standard zoning restrictions, and these will be part of those standard zoning restrictions. So I think if you've subdivided under SB9, so you have two lots now where you previously had one, I think that you could use this to get an additional unit over and above the SB9 units that you would otherwise be allowed. Um, okay, one other question. Actually, two questions. One question is this. This Portola Valley thing is very interesting because basically what you said is that they they were allowed to restrict development of ADUs in high fire zones because they also restricted all development. So it didn't single out ADUs. Is that correct? Yes. I want to be careful because this hasn't been tested in court. Uh, it has passed the HCD staff level as we understand it based on hearsay, honestly. Um, we had conversations based with HCD at the staff level. We understand that they um, took the position that you just described, but that's as far as we can go. So the reason why I bring that up is because my main my main concern about these the application of this ADU law is that uh, you know that it can you can develop an ADU in a location that is completely inaccessible to firefighting equipment. You know beyond that 150 foot uh, length of fire hose which restricts all development. I mean, all development, you know, every time we do a new house or multifamily project, we fire and fire does their little test, can we get the hose all the way around it so we can fight a fire? And an ADU specifically says, and I even read this in the, um, the city of Berkeley tried to restrict ADU development in high fire zones and HCD wrote them a letter and it said, you know, it doesn't matter if you can't fight a fire because all you need four feet um, but I think that if you look at it this way the way that they're looking at it with the that this is a development standard for everything that you know not that it's going to be part of what we're talking about today but that this could be a way to limit these ADUs in places where I think it are very very dangerous if somebody if a fire starts and it's in the you know in the high fire zone and the fire truck can't put it out. That's very scary to me. So I think in the future we should kind of like examine that as, as a possibility because if no development should occur in these places, then that should include ADUs. Um, so that's, so that I just have one more question and I think I asked this to you last time and you uh, explained it to me, but I still actually don't understand it. And that's this um, under category, the new category two, Number two, I don't understand what this means. A detached accessory dwelling unit which does not exceed a floor area of 1,200 square feet further. A detached one bedroom that's up to 850 shall be allowed and a detached two or more bedroom unit that's up to 1,000 square, square feet shall be allowed 
notwithstanding any floor restrictions. But I don't, I still don't understand what is the 1,200 square feet referring to? I'm sorry, you're looking at? Um, at B2, the new B2, which is the category two accessory dwelling unit, number two. Because you're basically saying it doesn't exceed 850 if it's one bedroom, 1,000 square feet if it's two, but then the first sentence says it shall not exceed 1,200. I, I think the important part of this is that um, phrase, notwithstanding any floor area restrictions. So what that is saying is that you can have a unit that's 850 square feet containing one bedroom and a unit that contains two bedrooms that's up to 1,000 square feet and not be penalized if you're going over your floor area ratio. But you could have a unit that's up to 1,200 square feet. So that additional 200 square feet, you counts against your floor area ratio. Correct. Never saw it that way. Well, and I think at one point, square feet counts toward floor area ratio. Well, no, I, I, no, that's not that's not what it means. So all ADU floor area counts towards floor area ratio. There's no discount for floor area for an ADU the way there's a discount for floor area for a garage space. The county has a definition of floor area, and in that definition it says 540 square feet or 480 in the TAM area do not count towards floor area when you're calculating floor area ratio. That is not true for ADUs. ADUs count as floor area. So if you have a house and you want to build a addition to that home uh, and that addition would take you up to 30%, then you can build an ADU after you've built that addition, which would go over that 30% floor area ratio. It doesn't change the calculation of floor area ratio. It just says, regardless of that maximum 30%, you can go over it. The tricky part is the timing. Because if you build the ADU first, and the ADU takes you up to 30%, and then you say, oh, I want an addition, you need to get a variance approval for that addition. What if they're simultaneous? Like someone's building a brand new house, and it has an ADU in it, and they're not counting the, the ADU as part of the FAR, so the main house ex, you know, is, exceeds or meets it, and then the ADU would put them over if it's counted, but it's simultaneous, not before. Right. So in that case, then they need a variance for the addition. The ADU will be approved, but they need a variance for the addition. And, and if it's under SB 9... That, that changed the whole kind of floor area ratio, right? Because now you've got two lots where you had one, and you're going to have to allow development on the second lot, which might have put things over. It affects the development potential. It doesn't, check, it doesn't affect the floor area ratio calculation. Well, I'm just, but aren't you going to end up with more than would be allowed if you hadn't subdivided the lot? So SB 9 has a similar provision where it, it says you're required to allow an 800-square-foot unit, or maybe it's 850. I think it's 800. So regardless of, the, of what other standards you may have, including floor area ratio... So that, even still, if that 850 puts you over what would have been legal prior to the lot split or, or old rules yeah. about that lot if it's a particularly small lot... 
That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, it doesn't it check it doesn't affect the Fourier ratio calculation. It just affects what you're going to be able to build over and above that, and how you can go about that. The language that you're picking up, though, is the intention here is that basically, say you've got thirty percent Fourier ratio to go uh, to start with, and you want to build an ADU, you can build an under the ca second category an ADU. One bedroom ADU of 800, two bedroom ADU of, of 850, I guess is what it is, right? But you cannot build 1,200. That's the idea. I'm not sure that that's clearly enough stated in here, and that should probably be stated more, more clearly, and I think maybe that's what's leading you to your confusion, is that it should probably say 1,200 square feet provided you're not going over the Fourier ratio or something, or something to that effect. And we can we can clarify that because I think maybe that would get to yeah. what, what your what what your confusion is maybe. Yeah. Is oh, and I I'm sorry. One more thing, which is, and this comes back to uh, Commissioner Dessner's point last time, which was about the um, you know we looked at the allowable ADUs, the two ADUs, one's attached, uh, or in an accessory structure, and the second one must be of new construction. And we pointed out, gosh, what if you have two accessory buildings and you want to put the second ADU in there? And you included language for both. However, if somebody created an ADU attached and then they created one in an accessory building, I don't know, if, if they created one in an accessory building um, and then they created another in an accessory building because we included this language, couldn't people come to us and say, the state law says that I'm allowed to create a brand new one that's four feet, even though I already have two? No, I think if you have two, you've, you've maxed out your ADU potential. I feel like maybe somebody could make that argument because it specifically says you're allowed to create this new construction ADU. And so what I would be afraid of, of including that language, is that somebody makes that point. And then, I mean, I, the worst case scenario is we'd have to say, oh, HCD's, you know, interpreting it that way, so we have to take off that, the thing that we added, which would allow you to do two accessory structures. Or attached well, and accessory. I, I, I think you only get two in the language that we've proposed. I think the policy issue is, as I mentioned before, I mean, we can be less restrictive, but we can't be more restrictive, right? So we're required to say you get one in an existing building and one in a new construction building. What we're not required to say is that you get two in existing buildings. But I think, you know, some of the commissioners brought up last time that if you have a barn or something like that and it's already there, why shouldn't you be able to convert that, all right? So it's, I mean, we don't necessarily have an opinion. Like, it's just a policy decision for your commission to make. Um, is I mean, I, I would be in favor of that if the legal interpretation could, that we're assured that you can't then also claim that you can also build a new one. I think that would be kind of defeating the purpose. But I do like the idea of encouraging reuse of existing structures. So I'm a little torn. I feel like, you know. If it doesn't result in uh, the opportunity for a third. Exactly. That's what you're saying. And it's interesting to me that these, I mean, these laws apply regardless of your acreage. I mean, if you're on a 10-acre site, if you're on a 60-acre site, notwithstanding other restrictions, you, could, you, couldn't have, you couldn't have more. I mean, it just doesn't... I, I'm, 
I'm not someone in favor of tons of development, so it's all right with me. However, it just, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, these rules are not well considered. It's like the same people that design the traffic in San Francisco. It's like you think they don't actually drive on these streets. And you think that the people in, San, in Sacramento that are writing these rules, I don't know, they live in condos in Governor's Square or something? I mean, they, it, it just doesn't correspond with reality, useful ways to think about reality, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, you've raised a good point. Let, I think let Commissioner with, uh, Dickinson with, make his comments before we get into more general conversation on merits, okay? Sure, but just one last thing to respond to what you're um, raising. Um, and Brandy, correct me if I'm wrong, but we do have language which says up to two, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't say more than two. It says up to two. So I, I think we're covered in terms of not allowing that third one. Yeah, my question is just that, you know, are we then being more restrictive rather than like HCD might say, oh, you can, you can allow for an additional structure, but you cannot restrict that new ADU because state law says that you can have one. And that's why I'm saying it's... It, if we had assurance that it wouldn't be interpreted that way, I, you know, it's a, it's a different story. Yeah, I do think we're getting into Yeah, merits. I'd like to comment on that, but let's wait and let Commissioner Dickinson make, ask his questions, especially uh, since he wasn't uh, here before he called. <laughs> I had a couple questions. And the first one is I've had several people ask me now um, the, the uh, relationship between the ADU ordinance and SB9. And I haven't been able to answer the question. In terms of if you have a single-family home, under SB 9, you can, if you meet the criteria, you can subdivide it and have, under the ADU ordinance, have four units on the one parcel. Could you also have four units on the divided, the new parcel? So we're talking about going from one unit existing to eight units? Is that possible? Well, so you start out, you start out with just one single-family residence right. on. So then, with and SB9, then you do an SB nine subdivision. Then you get one more, right? Right. And then for each of those, you get two. I mean, depending on what's there, two ADUs. Uh, with a junior ADU, though, you end up with okay, four, can, right? Yeah, you can. Well, that. I mean, you could end up with four. Yeah, with a junior, that's right. Okay, so you theoretically then could end up with eight units. Um, that's the question I have, is how do they fit together here? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's sort of easy to sort of play these out in concept, but I, I should add that in reality, we're not getting these. We never get JDUs because JDUs don't give you anything in terms of uh, deviating from the standards. We have almost no JDUs in the county. Um, and also, there's still lots of, you know, requirements that go along with developing any ADU or JDU or anything else um, related to health and safety standards under the building permit requirements. Um, you have hookup fees. You have fire requirements. Like, you can play out these scenarios as, like, what could you do? But in reality, the fact that we're not really seeing them is some indication that it's actually a lot more difficult from a practical standpoint to play these out in scenarios. Could, is it impossible that it will ever happen? I can't say that. But it, it, I think it's easy to exaggerate the impact of these, uh, of these requirements. 
but then <clears throat> I assume the answer is theoretically up to eight units. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I was question I was trying to answer. But um, and my next one, reading through the ADU um, code, uh, the very beginning of it says a local agency may, by ordinance, provide for the creation of accessory dwelling units, which is what we're doing through our ADU ordinance. And then it says. Um, the ordinance shall do all of the following. Designate areas within the jurisdiction of the local agency where accessory dwelling units may be permitted. Are we, uh, by default, then saying the whole county um, allows them? Because it says you have to do it. You have to designate the areas, and um, we haven't done So that. as Brandon uh, said last, in the last hearing, that applies to A through D. It does not apply to E, right? So the category one or E, uh, subdivision E, applies everywhere. So we do have restrictions based on, for example, whether or not you have 20-foot width, mm -hmm. um, which uh, apply to the rest of the county. Okay, so it's, so not, it's not just every, anywhere in the county, because there are places that don't have a 20-foot road width, plenty okay. of them. Okay, yeah, I understand that. Um, it goes on to talk about adequate water. That gets in the, my question about fire protection. Um, and I understand um, from the state ADU law that you can't impose fire sprinklers on a main house. If someone's adding an ADU, you can't make them retroactively go back and add fire sprinklers. But my understanding of the local fire code is that basically anything like over 500 square feet requires fire sprinklers. So, and that would apply to the ADU? Yeah, so my, my understanding is that um, if there's an ordinance requiring fire sprinklers for the main residence, then you can apply that ordinance to an ADU. If there's not an ordinance requiring sprinklers for the main residence, then you cannot apply a separate ordinance to the ADU. In other words, you've got to treat the main right. residence and the ordinance and the, and the ADU the same. But again, my recollection was that through a local uh, uniform building code amendment, we require that it's like any addition over like 500 square feet, which would be basically any ADU, is required to have fire sprinklers. So that as long it as it's not looking at the ADU, it's just looking at the development, I think that that's Right, the additional floor area. Right. And then in terms of adequate water, a lot of places don't have meters that provide adequate flow for fire sprinklers. Or in more rural areas, um, uh, you have to build big tanks in order to provide fire sprinklers. So that requirement would still apply. Like if you're on a well and the well doesn't produce enough volume to run the fire sprinklers, you have to build a big tank, a yeah. several thousand gallon water tank. I think it's really important to understand that the ADU regulations affect zoning. That's it. They don't affect fire regulations. They don't affect building code regulations. They don't affect any of the other regulations. And most of those regulations would, are the ones that really govern um, health and safety issues about de development. So it doesn't affect any of those. So things. they would still apply? I mean, whatever the requirements are in terms of if you're on a yeah. well now and you don't have the flow to provide the fire sprinklers, you'd have to, whatever the fire department requires, you'd have to do a tank 
to then have the supply, the pump, the whatever it is, you have okay. to do it. The, the key thing is you can't treat the ADU differently from the main house. That's why this Portola issue is sort right. of telling, right? I mean, cause right, they're treating houses, uh, primary residents, the same as, uh, right. as an and ADU. Right, and that's how they're getting just, just, if, uh, just on that one point on the fire sprinklers, uh, maybe, maybe I'm remember, remembering this incorrectly, but I didn't think it was about whether there's a law that would require a new new construction newly constructed single family home to have sprinklers if the house doesn't have sprinklers because it predated any requirement and then then you cannot require it of the ADU is the way i thought i read it um, okay um, perhaps i don't think so but again this is a building code requirement i think if the building code or the fire code says if you're building an addition leave, leaving aside what the addition is used for if you're building an addition and your requirement is that you sprinkler the addition, um, and typically it's going to be if your addition is 50 percent, you know, of the of the floor area of the um, main residence, then you can require it. But you can't treat the ADU differently. And and and, and the ADU for sure, the ADU cannot force a sprinklers on the on the single family home. I mean, right, it couldn't require a retrofit to an existing house. It can't trigger a need yeah. to upgrade the. I, I don't know that to be true. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it said. But. And then my um, okay. Okay, it is true. Uh, final questions here were uh, in the um, ADU, ADU uh, state code, it says a local agency may require owner occupancy for either the primary dwelling or the accessory dwelling. So we have the option of doing that, but we haven't done that, right? No, we have not. We're talking for th about A through D, and we have not done that. That this was discussed extensively in previous ordinances when this uh, regulation change first came up in 2017, 2018, and 2020. Okay, when I was there, I don't recall that we had that option, and because I actually always felt that was important. But uh. yeah, the board I think looked at this issue and did not want to have that requirement. Um, and then the number five below that is a local agency may require that rental of the uh, accessory dwelling unit uh, created pursuant to this subsection be for a term uh, longer than 30 days. And we have that restriction for both ADUs and JDUs. Uh, for, for anyone, right? No, not the one built by non-owner occupants, but it would apply to any new ADU built under our ordinance? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, or JDU. Okay. Those were my questions. I had a few questions as well, but mine are, actually mine are more discussion items than questions. Do you want to open it for public so, testimony, yeah, so which I guess is going to be pretty short. There's no public <laughs> comment. <laughs> um, you but, should close the public hearing. Though. Okay, we'll close the public hearing. Thank you. I don't think we opened the public hearing. <laughs> but at any rate, it's closed. Okay. No public comment. So now discussion on the merits. And since I haven't spoken yet, let me just say, because we haven't discussed this yet, is that I am still not satisfied with the um, decision to allow two units per lot, two ADUs per lot. Um, to go back to my notes here. Excuse me just a second. Um, 
I mean, as, as we have discussed, there's some really large consequences for having those additional units. And I, I would like to see better documentation of the, the legal basis for that decision. Resting that kind of a decision on the interpretation of the word any, I think is really problematic. I mean, I actually looked up any and looked at multiple definitions of the word any and how it's used as a part of speech and under no definitions does any ever mean all. It, it simply doesn't mean all. It, it's used to describe choices among lists of things and it's, dis, it's used in multiple ways but it never means all. And um, I, I understand that there is a letter from HCD to another jurisdiction that interprets this, but I think it's administrative overreach, quite frankly. I don't think the law says that. And um, I did review the, the HCD handbook, which I agree is not, the, it is not the law, it is an interpretation of the law, but even there, I don't see a clear understanding that it allows two, two units per per law, and in fact, we have SB 9 that allows people to do that. They do have an administrative remedy to go through SB 9 if they want that many ADUs on their property. So in, in terms of a, I think it's allowed under the state law, that if, if it's, a, it's a policy decision that the local jurisdiction can make if they want to do more, but I don't think the state is requiring us to do it. I mean, you have a letter saying you should do that, but that hasn't been challenged yet. And so I don't, I don't think it's good policy. I'm pro-ADU, but I don't think that's good policy because I think it's essentially treating single-family properties like multifamily properties. It essentially allows the same thing that the ADU program for multifamily properties allows. And um, I, think it's, I, think it's, uh, I think it's a mistake to roll it out to the public and to the Board of Supervisors as something that the state law requires when I'm not convinced that it does. I think it's an administrative interpretation only, and the language in the state law is not there, from what I could see. So that's my <laughs> opinion about that. And I also like, we haven't talked about the other issue. We have so, sort of on the side, we've talked about the issue of if there are two ADUs to be allowed, whether one can be in new construction or not. And I still support having it in new construction only because I think that um, that's what, if we're interpreting that the state law requires that, that that is the minimum that the state law requires us to do. And I, I don't think that we should exceed that minimum because I think there are particularly large consequences for large properties. I mean, the fact that many properties in the county jurisdiction are small subdivided properties means it's, it's not feasible that they actually could maximize to the maximum that's allowed under, the, under these proposed ordinances without variances. But when you get into larger properties, um, that is certainly not the case. So I, I think they should be restricted to new construction if we do allow them. So I'm opening it for other conversation. Can I ask, so what, what would be the process if you said to HCD that, you know, we looked at the, uh, what is it, history for ourselves of this law and 
we believe the intent of the law is that any meant or, not all. If Marin County wanted to take that stance and disagree with HC, what is that process? So what we would do is um, if your commission voted not to include that, then we would bring that forward to the board uh, and uh, the board would make their decision. Uh, and at that point, the, uh, it would be up to HCD to take further action. They could try enforcement action legally if they chose to do so. The, the one caveat I might add to that, that's, I agree with all that. It, there is also a, the possibility that it would be tested by a private pick against the county. So how, what is the bearing on our as yet not approved housing element? And I'm asking this question because the jurisdiction where I am employed uh, does not interpret the state law to allow to, and they updated their planning code in February of 2022, so the handbook was amended after that point. But they do have an approved housing element. All of their programmatic pieces have been reviewed by HCD, and that was not drawn to their attention that there was any deficit. So I don't know where that stands, obviously. It hasn't been tested, but um, at any rate. So what is what do you think the impact might be on our yet unapproved housing element if we were to contest this? It's hard to say. I mean, this is not the best time to alienate HCD because they haven't approved our housing element. But, you know, whether or not they would approve it with other changes, I, I just don't know. And then could, could, you, could you reiterate, because I'm not sure I read it the same way, but could you reiterate your reading of that provision or what, what you think the law says? That's a difficult question for me um, in that I may be in court defending the county uh, later. Um, so I think what I would say is that, as I mentioned last time, I think HCD's interpretation of this provision, meaning any meaning all, any means all, it, I have not seen that before. Um, I think I should probably leave it at that unless you want uh, something different. Uh, it, it may make sense to, uh, since there seems to be a couple of things at issue, mm -hmm. to like perhaps talk about the um, uh, new construction uh, uh, language that um, uh, Commissioner Matalbano, um and Desser were talking about, um, and see if we if there's agreement on wh whether we want to stick with the, the language in the in the state law or we want to go beyond that, which we can be more permissive to say you could have a conversion of an of a of an outbuilding for. Um, well, we could we could do that, except that only comes into play if we're allowing the additional. If we're if there's support for 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 not agreeing that any means all, then we then that language is moved. No, but no, it well wait, but it, no, I mean any ADU 
could be in, ex in an existing structure. It doesn't have to be an additional ADU in an existing Well, the way this is drafted, it applies to the second ADU, I believe. Is that correct? Maybe I'm misreading that. No, I think you're right because the yes. first one says either an addition yeah. or in an accessory yeah, the, the building. Yeah, gives you the right, flexibility. Right, right, right. right. So basically we're the second saying, one. Yeah, right. I, I kind of agree with you. I mean, I just feel like somebody is going to make the argument that we're, the state law says you can have a new one and you can't stop it. So well, my, my opinion about that, which I alluded to, is that if anyone that can interpret that any means all could support that kind of an argument about the literal reading of the language, even though there's in, even though there's inconsistency within the state law. I guess the one caveat I might add to that is that, as Commissioner Montalbano pointed out, statutory interpretation can be a very involved process. So it's not going to be as simple as looking at a dictionary. It's going to involve depending on which perspective you're representing, a long look through legislative history. There's a, the state laws are littered with allusions to the statewide goal of encouraging housing and things like that. So it, it will not just be as simple as that. I, I understand your perspective and it has a certain persuasive force, but I just, I don't want to over, oversimplify things, that's all. True. But you know there are many aspects, like you mentioned, including the fact that that there is a program for multifamily zoned properties that does allow multiple ADUs more than than is allowed in single family, and this interpretation that allows two ADUs per single family lot is essentially the same as is allowed for the detached multifamily situation and the the um, restriction on multifamily ADUs that they have to be within that the inhabited portion, a habitable portion of the structure is very similar to the JADU that's allowed in, I mean, so if we're gonna go to legislative history, we could talk about those kinds of things and make a case. So that's my opinion. I, I do think that if the Board of Supervisors really thinks we need that many ADUs to meet our housing goals, that as a matter of policy, they could enact that, and that might be, a, a different set of circumstances, but saying that the state is requiring us to do it is what I object to. I don't want to lose, um, I, I think this is probably the key issue, but at the same time, I don't want to lose um, what we were discussing a few minutes ago about the 1,200 square feet. Um, because I think that that's still an outstanding issue, and I think um, it should be clarified. Um, and so, with respect to B2, right now it says a detached accessory dwelling unit which does not exceed a floor area of 1,200 square feet. Further, a detached one-bedroom unit that is up to 850 square feet shall be allowed, and a detached two or more bedroom unit that is up to 1,000 square feet shall be allowed notwithstanding any floor area restrictions. What I would recommend is a change to that. So that it says a detached accessory dwelling unit which does not exceed a floor area of 1,200 square feet, comma, provided it would not exceed the allowable floor area ratio, period, and then change the further to however, a detached, detached one-bedroom unit that is up to 850 square feet, et cetera. I think that would clarify that question that came up earlier about the 1,200 square feet. 
Can you read that again? I mean, and you're sure that's what they mean? I mean, that's why I find this kind of confusing because it seems like all of the things are, uh, are, are allowed notwithstanding what the FAR is. Uh, yeah, we're, we're sure that's what they mean. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 think just, I was thinking just the word however instead of further. Actually. Yeah, which I agree with. Yeah, yeah. So I, what I said was a detached we, accessory we dwelling say. unit which does not exceed a floor area ratio of 1,200 square feet provided it would not exceed the allowable floor area ratio. However, a detached one-bedroom unit, et cetera. I, I just wanted to point out that the original recommendation from the Planning Commission was that be 1,000 square feet and not 1,200, and the board increased it to 1,200, I which remember. created some of the, yes. the questions, I think, yeah. here. But. But if they increase it to 1,200, then changing this language isn't going to well, be I think consistent. staff had recommended 1,800 or something, as I recall. And that was for the, um, that was for the SB9, not for the ADA. Okay. So I think it still has the effect of, uh, say, if somebody built, built the ADU and then wants to go back and do the addition to their house, that additional 400 square feet or 200 square feet counts against the floor area on the main house. So it does help in decreasing overall lot coverage and FAR. So it does have some effect. It's just, yeah, it's a little confusing. Um, I think your language is better. I, I would probably still be calling you and saying, what does this mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. well, but but, but, the, but the, the timing thing still comes into play because mm -hmm. You, you would still you would still have to be within the floor restriction if you were building the whole thing at once, versus adding something on. I mean, you don't you don't get yeah. To that's how the that's how the state law you don't get that's how the state thing. law plays out. I mean, it's it's easy to game it, <laughs> but there's nothing we can do to stop people from gaming. Game right? <laughs> yeah. My point earlier. <laughs> But I think that your proposed language yeah. is good. Do we want to have a motion on that change then? A straw vote. Straw vote. Okay. All in favor? Aye. 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 Uh, do you want to record that? Yeah. Michelle? Yeah. Did you get it? Yeah. I've got okay. the language, yeah. Okay, so back to the other two issues. Do we want to go ahead and discuss the uh, whether to limit second ADUs to new construction? It is a simpler conversation. Yeah, I, w uh, I would make a motion to adopt the alternative language that restricts the second ADU to new construction. Is that is that a straw vote? In other words, the, the state line. Uh, no, there's uh, on the memorandum. Yeah. Uh, there's D. This is the, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the alternative language that we can insert if we wanted to limit it to, yes, the state language, which is the second ADU. So if you're making a motion on the resolution, then the motion should include the straw vote that you just took no. plus this change. Oh, okay. Right. Or we can do a straw vote on this question. Can we do a straw vote on this question, well, and I, then we can then we can make our final motion address that would all of include the all of this straw votes. But yeah. just right. to get it clarified a little bit, I mean, if the second, if we're saying a, 
second ADU anyway, if there's a possibility of using an existing building, I mean, I'd rather use an existing structure. Mm -hmm. I agree, but I, I do think that somebody will make the argument that the state law says you can build a new construction unit, and so I think someone's going to sue and say you're restrict. You know, this is against state law because I want to. I want an additional one because state laws. It doesn't matter if you're allowing. I mean, we could make laws saying everybody can have eight ADUs. No, but we're just talking. I mean, now we're positing the legality of a second ADU, right? Well, this is separate. This is third. <laughs> well, but yeah. So that that we I think we'll talk about next. But right <laughs> now we're only talking about uh, are we going to deviate from the state law that says there's an ADU that's either attached or in an accessory building, and the B type is all new construction. Given, given that, given that um, we can be more permissive, we can't, can't be more restrictive, if somebody came to the county who wanted to um, have a second ADU in, a convert, in, a bar, in an existing barn, they wanted to convert that, rather than leveling it and making new construction, would that be something that would be within the, the uh, uh, purview of staff for a variance or for some other procedure? Well, uh, I mean, a variance is, I'm not sure that would be the right, I mean, variances are pretty, some, a very specific thing. Some other, they're, they're some other state means. law, they're for, mm -hmm. you know, um, height, floor ratio. Right. You know, right. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure that, but I mean, but some other discretionary approval. Exactly. Like a CUP? Exactly. Some, but okay. some, some other, some other approach that would allow that, but short of, short of sort of baking it in to the, the law. I... I'm very, I mean, sort of in theory, yes, but I'm just very hesitant. I, I think that that's going to get pushed back from HCD. I, I'm very hesitant to recommend any kind of discretionary review for um, for ADUs. Beyond, I mean, we've already kind of gone down that road far enough, and I just feel like if we go any farther, they're going to say, well, you're requiring discretionary review. For that, that wasn't my point. Uh, I'm sorry, I probably wasn't clear. Uh, if if we just have the, the state language, um, uh, but somebody, I'm, I'm not saying we build in a process for discretionary review, but I'm saying if someone comes in, they don't meet this definition, they want to put an ADU, a second ADU in an existing outbuilding, um, it is, is that, could that possibly be achieved at that point? I mean, they can build something new. Um, through some other kinds of kind of uh, uh, planning process that that would review that and allow that, you don't think so? Okay. Could we make it a category three, or could we just do an or? <laughs> I mean, new construction or in an existing accessory building? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's just a policy decision whether you want right. to allow it or not. Well, I mean, but that it's. I mean, it probably if you allow a second one in an existing building, it probably does encourage more use. But on the other hand, I mean, I, it just seems so wasteful and silly not to allow an existing structure to be recycled. I mean, it just seems so silly. Yeah. I mean, well, the reality is it does allow for one accessory building to be reused. And if well, we do that. find out that this interpretation by HCD is overreach and you are only allowed one, then, then they're getting the one. 
right. which I think is probably their intention. I don't think the law's intention was to allow two. I think so, but yeah. So if we do find out and get confirmation, and you absolutely we're going to have two, then we maybe could revisit that. Or I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me that because you're right, it it conflicts with the with the state policy. And I'm also assuming, which perhaps I shouldn't do. It would only happen on fairly large parcels that had large, you know, that had extra buildings hanging around. But I, yeah, most I most sing, we're talking about single-family residential lots, right? Most of them do not have, you know, another barn or you know. Another, no, but West they, Mar there are no, some. West Marin, where I live, there's a whole bunch that have that, whole bunches that have corrals, that have barns, that have other buildings that were actually illegally built without permits, but now, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, they're kind of okay. Um, so in, 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 in where I live, which I, you know, may not be a, which I, I don't know what percentage of the population is there could do that, but housing is really an issue. And, and you know, there aren't places for, 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 People, there aren't places that are economically feasible, as we know. I mean, it's the whole county. But in West Marin, where people have these large parcels and they have lots of kind of existing outbuildings and some of them, and they're not used, it would be a good use to make it available to people who work there and used to live there and now can't find a place to live. So that's the scenario that I'm thinking of. And it's not... And, it, and in fact, it wouldn't, from a visual and a density perspective, it, 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 it's not going to add because the, they, these buildings already exist. So it may not, it certainly isn't going to be that way in Mill, the parts of Mill Valley or something that we have, that the county has jurisdiction over. But in the, in the rural parts, it's, it's real. And the lack of housing is real. So, uh, that's just that's my that's the frame of reference I'm offering, and you know, obviously, I'm not going to go with with the you know with what the will of the commission is, but it just becomes more economic. Well, in some cases, it's more economical; in other, it's more economical to tear the place down. If, if, I'm, new, if I might make a suggestion, I think this is a moot point if you decide not to recommend to the board that you're going to allow the second ADU at all. So perhaps have a straw vote on that, and if that straw vote fails, then move on to this discussion. Okay. We, we did have a motion for a straw vote. So are, who, are, who made that motion? Are you agreeable to tabling this until we decide who made that motion? Uh, no, I was actually... Um, Maybe we didn't. Okay, let's just table that discussion and move on to the issue of the number of ADUs that would be allowed. So we have more discussion before we have a motion. So I, you know, I, I feel like it's a little bit of kicking the can down the road, but I also feel that the supervisors might not want to fight HCD. Um, so I think maybe it might be smarter to adopt what we want but recommend to the Board of Supervisors that we think this is incorrect and, you know, leaving it up to them. I don't know. 
Well, I guess I sort of feel that if it still stays within the, the, the floor area ratio rules, which it has to do, right, then I don't have a problem if there's another one. But then again, I'm imagining a certain it does not. scenario. It does not have to stay within the FAR because they don't count. No. Mm -hmm. Well, can we, and we're not allowed to like impose something like that on a second one? Right. It's category one. It, it, if, it's, one. if it's within those square footages that don't count yes. against right. the a, a thousand, 850 or 1,000. Mm-hmm. These are all subdivision E under state law. No, I mean I don't. I don't. I, I actually think that this is a significant. I think it's an important issue, but I don't want to see neighborhoods where it all screwed up, where it really would be a problem, as opposed to places like where I live, where it wouldn't be a problem. Although it also may go to your point, Jeremy, that it isn't going to happen. But I don't know. Well, I, I, I don't want to say it's never going to happen. I just, I, I just don't want to. No, no, you know, I understand. I was just saying that in response to you know the idea of yeah. like. Yeah, I mean, remember, there's no front setback. You get a four foot side setback. You get a four foot rear setback, and you can go to 25 feet high. Or you can adjust to the, the uh, roof line of the existing primary structure. That's all ministerial. And you don't have to conform to floor area ratio. So there are a lot of unincorporated area lots that could accommodate a number of these. And that's a policy decision that the Board of Supervisors needs to be aware of when they make the decision. And whether if the state law, if, if there's substantive um, documentation that the state law really requires that beyond what we've heard today, then that's another matter, but I, I'm not convinced that it exists. I think it's, I do think it's an overreach. And, and, anyway. and actually, I agree with you. I mean, my approach with all of these state mandates, the SB 35, the SB 9, the ADU requirements, is that we should move cautiously. And where there's a question, which I think there is here, uh, because of the wording, I would. I think the commission should recommend what, what we think is appropriate. And it may be, that in the end, that we're not right, but I think we should be cautious in, in our approach and our recommendation to the board. I mean, we're only making recommendation to them um, and whatever we feel is appropriate. And I actually think the original intent really was an ADU and a JADU. Um, and somehow it's gotten all mixed up here and um, we should recommend what we think is appropriate. And I think that, I mean, under the worst circumstances, um, this could have big implications in terms of going from one unit to four units, as opposed to going from one unit to three units. Um, so anyway, that is my feeling on the straw vote. Are you guys going to sort of tell the board about this issue when they, you know, when we bring this? I think you should when you bring this to them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we have a motion? It's, again, it's a straw vote at a this vote? point. Yes, so it's not vote. binding, and it's all just straw sort vote. of a sense of the commission. Straw vote, yes. I agree. Uh, Michelle, what do you prefer? 
So moving on then to our motion relative to the resolution, we have two straw votes to incorporate into a motion. Is there a particular section of the resolution? Well, I think there should be a new whereas, and that whereas uh, should indicate um, that you are revising the language for <clears throat> B2 to clarify that the 1,200 square feet needs to meet the allowable floor area ratio and that you are revising the language of um, Um, A, 1D, uh, to clarify that only a single ADU is required, um, sorry, is allowable per single family residential lot. And, okay. and we'll make the changes. Okay, and I'll make that as a motion then to incorporate those two revisions to the draft uh, resolution. Second that. All in favor? Uh, Aye. You, Aye. I need to do a roll call vote. Roll call vote. Michelle. Okay. Right. Sean Dickinson? Aye. Rebecca Lee? Aye. 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 These are always tough. Um, nobody shows up. You have to get into the details. <laughs> and I really appreciate it every time. It's, uh, it's great to see all of you kind of engage with these and really get into it. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's tough, but uh, you do a great job every time. So thank you so much. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank, 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 thank. I don't know if I've, I don't recall us ever being complimented by you in the past, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Don has, Don has um, helped me and reminded me that I should make an announcement that this recommendation goes forward to the Board of Supervisors. Yeah. Thank, thanks to all three of you. <laughs> okay. So are we ready to adjourn? We are adjourning at what time is it? Two o'clock. Two twenty. Sorry, minutes clock. It's two. It's two twenty-five approximately. Are we usually so specific about two twenty-two? Adjourning at two twenty-two. Minutes will be right. Your face is good. Yeah. You know there is a bathroom right here. I have to run off. I've got to go to my high school reunion organizing committee.